brought to you by Irish Rugby Tours, the Rugby Tour Specialists, Afia Sports Training, committed to developing the sporting potential of future players in the U.S., U.K., and across the world. And Dub Pies, Down Under Pies. Stop by, say hi, and eat pie. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up here at the Fantasy Sports Network, Studio 34 in Midtown Manhattan, talking rugby. And in the studio with me is none other than Daniel Craig lookalike, Mark Griffin, and Mr. Kiss Lensing, who is going to be playing prop for Rugby United New York this time next year uh, <laughs> in the no studio. And I'm, I'm gentlemen, uh, it's been a great, great day so far of rugby. So, And I know you guys have schedules, so let's get right to it. Mark? You're leaving us. You're going to, you're, or you're you're almost gone already. You're you're handling two jobs right now. Play Rugby USA job that you aptly handled and developed over the years, and you're now with USA Rugby, and you're gonna transition somebody into your position at Play Rugby USA, right? Correct. Yes. Um, leaving leaving us as in New York, uh, not leaving rugby, um, and certainly he's been, he's been in tears though. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we're both we're both body doubles, right? Yes. You're, you're the prop, and I'm the Daniel Craig body double. But um, yeah, um, I I, I uh, I'm moving out to Denver at some point in Q1 um, with the with the new USA Rugby role, and we're doing really well um, with regard to the play rugby succession plan, executing that, and and the transition of my role as well. Well, there will definitely be tears when you leave play rugby USA. It's going to be a party, I would imagine, a going away party. A bittersweet. I might be just talking for me. I don't know about you. You've you've put in a lot of time. You've certainly earned an opportunity to go someplace else. You've done. You've changed lives. You've built this thing into something that can probably survive. But you, your passion got this thing going. Yeah, and it, and for me, it's the, it's the passion that's driving me through to the new role as well. Um, you know, when you leave a commercial role, I've been in banking for nine years, nearly ten years, and. You, you need to leave for something you're passionate about. And for me, um, it's always been about making impact and, and through play rugby, obviously that was about providing this rugby opportunity to young people, inspire them, empower them and help them develop those skills they need to realise their potential. But um, I'm equally as passionate about having an impact on the growth of rugby in America. And um, one of the critical pieces, obviously, we need to grow the game in, in the US is, is, is revenue. Um, and we need to fuel the pathways that I was talking about earlier, um, fuel the performance um, to give the coaches um, and the athletes the resources they need to be successful, and ultimately to fuel the participation at the at the base as well. And um, I'm I'm as passionate about that actually as I am about the um, the impact that rugby can have on young people. And I know that at the USA Rugby role, there's an opportunity actually to do both, um, and that's what's that's what's really exciting. All right, but. Walk me in off the ledge, because I've been down this road, as have other USA Rugby fans, where we have had the promise of going forward and raising money and making it right. We've had Strat 2020. What is the difference now? What's it going to be? What is, the, is there a plan? Is it going to be great? Or is it going to be Strat 2020 on a website and then really nothing come, coming forward out of it? Um, it, the, the, the first thing I'd say, and I think Ross uh, summed this up well when he was on with you a month or so ago, was um, it, 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 it's, you've got to start anything with new people, right? And so I think you, you've got to look at the current reality of the situation we're in, which is um, obviously for, 
for poor execution of something that was very well intentioned, things got very, very close to the edge of the cliff. Um, and, um, and subsequent to that, actually still managed to pull off an incredibly successful Rugby World Cup, um, uh, sevens, obviously, um, and, and work through transitions that have been very challenging through which now um, we're, we're into the home straight. And so, um, you know, Ross, uh, obviously, is on board leading the charge and, and he's exactly the right person to do that with all the rugby experience he's got and the relationships that he's developed and just the knowledge of, of global rugby which, within which we have to sit. Um, Eric, obviously, that's come on um, from the soccer world with a ton of experience helping Eric bolster Gleason. up Eric Gleason, yeah, um, as CFO. And, um, and then um, they brought myself in in the commercial sphere as well. Um, in, the, in the interim, specifically just to embrace the partnerships that we have, um, but on the long term to, to redefine um, how we establish partnerships. And so I'd say... You, you mean with sponsors and advertisers and... Yeah, and so, you, look, you, got, you, so you start with the people. Um, and so there's been obviously some changes at USA Rugby, as you know, and there'll probably end up being some, some additional changes over time as there is in any team or organization. Um, but then, then you look at where you're at now, right? And, um, and then define where you want to be. And we, first and foremost, need to look at the purpose of USA Rugby and just look at the work that's been done there and really, really clearly define that and use that as our anchor for, for moving things forward and position um, rugby where we can compete, right? And we can't compete for eyeballs and we can't compete for the big brands and, the, and the, all of this traditional sort of media marketing things that every sponsor wants. We will provide those, but we're never going to differentiate on those, right? We have to differentiate based on the, the things that people are passionate about with rugby and what's the overlap between that and certain things that corporations are passionate about. And so you look at the overlay of the purpose there, you look at some of the values and how you can develop a narrative around that and design a partnership and ideally a business model around that as well. And so we're just taking a different approach going forward. Um, and um, obviously it's gonna be a period of time of transition to be able to sort of really start making significant progress there. But um, the, the most important thing is I think we've got buy-in. Um, we've got a plan in terms of a working group to restructure some of the governance and things to make those more aligned and efficient than they probably are currently. Um, and ultimately some new people to drive it forward. So Namibia, did you guys have a solid union? Did you have financial support? And, and are you familiar with this enough to make a comparison between the two at this point? No, not at all. The biggest problem all, in Namibia. Not at all. You didn't have finances or resources. No, we don't. We don't have the economy that uh, that's at the moment available in America. That's that's the biggest issue in Namibia. We have two million people. Yeah. Of, of one third of the country is desert. So I have two million people in my building. <laughs> <laughs> so for us, it's a totally different uh, scenario. And and then we also it's uh, was was a problem. I think it's now with uh, World Rugby also uh, have a lot, lot more influence after I think the previous World Cup they came in and Paul Davis is now involved there and Paul's doing a great job with them. They got in, we got a new CEO and, and things is a little bit looking up for the next World Cup. Uh, but in the previous couple of years, um, we had a lot of fluctuation about um, just the, we, the Namibian Rugby Union who's in charge and was it uh, mismanagement corruption or just you know not uh, amateurs running a, an organization yeah the, the biggest thing is because we didn't have any private funding because of uh there was companies that wanted to fund us in namibia but there was a like mismanagement of funds and then what happened is so companies don't want to give money 
and then they only re- rely on world rugby money. And that money, you only get a very small portion for a TR3 country every year just to maintain your, your, your country. And then w- as soon as you qualify for the World Cup, then there's more money. Right. And that was where the challenge every time came. So as soon as the, the money comes, then there's people jumping out of holes that you've never seen for two years. And they climb on board and everyone works very aggressively and there's new coaches and new everything. But then as soon as the World Cup is finished, the money is gone and it goes into like in hibernation again for two or three years. And the guys who's passionate about the sport had to fight and keep the game alive and work really hard and then qualified again as soon as we qualified. Same and, stuff. Yeah. And that was a big challenge for Namibia because over the years, every time, every four years before World Cup, we needed to start new. Every time there was nothing that we could build on on the previous World Cup, on previous World Cups, new coaches, new management. And, but World Rugby is busy sorting it out. So it's a totally different scenario than here. Like I said, here's much more funding. I think there's way more players here. So And you're coming in here at a good time, really. I mean, we, we've had a mess, but he's now, he's coming in. There's a professional setup in Major League Rugby. You've got some changeover at USA Rugby. What is your title specifically? Commercial director. Are you the first? No, well, no, not technically, no. Um, I think there's been a couple of different people in this role or similar roles um, historically with USA Rugby. Most latterly, obviously, there was... Um, People engaged at RIM, um, which is the commercial entity. Um, I'm I'm currently, just to be clear, because you're going to ask the question, I'm currently engaged by RIM, but I report directly to Ross and work directly with all of the team at USA Rugby. So I've essentially replaced the people that were at at RIM, um, which was the commercial uh, entity and now is becoming a commercial department within USA Rugby. So it's going from the for-profit partner to a for-profit for-profit department? Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's, it's complicated because there's an actual entity there and yeah. there's shareholders there and everything else, and there's a board meeting on October 19th, and until that meeting's reached a conclusion on uh, the definitive structure will be that there's been verbal agreement to date. Um, we won't be able to exactly kind of announce um, what that is, but for all intents and purposes, from the outside looking in, um, there will m- remain a, a shell entity that no one will really see, um, and I will be operating a commercial department within USA Rugby. Um, but there are legalities around having an entity um, still in place that makes sense uh, for USA Rugby, makes sense for the shareholders of that entity as well, um, and ultimately there's alignment in terms of um, where the boards are at with both of those entities that we're looking at the whole um, and not trying to differentiate between one or the other because what's important is that there is complete alignment and that wh- whichever way it happens, um, USA Rugby ultimately needs uh, to generate commercial revenue and it needs people to do that. And so, um, it, and it needs most importantly those people to be doing that directly for the benefit of USA Rugby and that's exactly what this will be. We got a break for a quick commercial uh, just don't go anywhere, guys. Been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think's on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. 
that's good beer. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's Rugby Wrap-Up Team of the Week is not a team. It is actually an organization. It's Play Rugby USA. Thank you, Mark Griffin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy at the Fantasy Sports Network, Studio 34 in New York City, talking rugby with Mr. Mark Griffin and Mr. Kiss Lensing. Mark, are you afraid at all that the reputation that you have built for yourself out of hard work and the success of Play Rugby USA and the changing of lives that because you have great relationships with sponsors because of the work that you've done. Are you afraid that that might get tarnished going into this? No, it, conversely, the complete opposite, in fact. Um, I'll be able to bring um, relationships to USA Rugby and also a different approach. And, um, you know, I think one of, the, one of the big differentiators for us going forward is um, is actually taking some of um, some of the concepts that have enabled play rugby to be successful and in, in integrating those into some of USA Rugby's programs. So we can actually engage some commercial partners in programs very similar to Play Rugby USA that Play Rugby USA would never be able to run across the country anyway. Um, and I think that you, you start positioning rugby in that way as a vehicle that can actually provide transformative experiences for everybody. Wait, right? you, you're saying Play Rugby USA couldn't run across the country in the sense that it's, it's mainly for inner city programs or? No, just pure lack of capacity, right? And so at, um, at Play Rugby, um, I wouldn't even have had the bandwidth really to get access to the level of people within some of the brands that you would need to be able to have the right conversation. And nor would Play Rugby have had the capacity to be able to deliver the scale of partnership that those corporations would, would need and want. USA Rugby does, um, and Play Rugby has some of the know-how of how to do that, and that's just one example. Um, I think the, other way, the way, other way of looking at this is looking at the corporations and what is it the corporations are looking to achieve right now. Now, you'll see some of the leading corporations in the world very clearly now, genuinely and authentically define their purpose, right? And so um, you can look at um, DHL as a rugby sponsor is about connecting people. Um, UL, who's a current, obviously, big partner for USA Rugby, is about empowering trust. And there's some clear overlaps there with things that we can do in the rugby space that we can actually build something that's directly aligned with our purpose and directly aligned with their purpose and still give all the bells and whistles that we can give that will never compete with the big professional leagues, but we're differentiating us based on what we can actually provide, which is this experience around rugby that's actually better than any other experience you can have and that we can sell. And so we're just defining that right now. Um, we're bouncing that off different corporate partners and we're having a really good um, iterative dialogue with them to get their feedback so that we can start positioning things based on what they need and want that also delivers what we need and want. And that's what the definition of partnership is, yeah. that we add value to each other. And that's why we've missed the boat a little bit in the past with uh, more contractual relationships, not true partnerships. You're obviously got to go out there and solicit some sponsorships, some deals, some partnerships. Are you finding that they're not answering the calls now that you're wearing the USA Rugby logo rather than the play rugby usa rugby logo or are they willing to listen to you more because you've had the the relationship um it, they're willing to listen to me firstly because i'm representing the national governing body um 
They will uh, listen to me partly because of my experience, although a lot of them wouldn't probably know who I am or be even be familiar with Play Rugby USA. Um, but first and foremost, representing, representing the national governing body um, is the biggest opportunity we have and I have obviously now to, um, to really have that, that dialogue at the C-level suite, the, the CMO sort of level and the heads of global sponsorships that is much harder to have in a, in, a, in a smaller charity and enables us to design things that can have an impact on a national level. Um, and I realize I can't give you any examples right now because I've only been in the role for a few months. Yeah, well. but, um, but I can tell you just at Rugby World Cup 7s, so I had 25 meetings that week. Um, I've had an, at least another 20 meetings subsequent to that. Um, and we've probably got between 20 and 30 different organizations that, um, that we're sort of looking at, of which 50% of them we, we're in discussions with, right? And we're not got any deals so, done yet, but we're having some very, very positive dialogue, and that's a really important start. Yeah, because I've been around this, this, rug, this, this American rugby landscape long enough to know. I've seen the, the facial expressions on potential sponsors rolling their eyes, you know, big sponsors uh, when, when dealing with USA Rugby. And I think, I think, I might, I might be naive here, so don't jump down my throat. I think, I think it's changing. I think <laughs> it's, of course. And, and I ultimately, um, I keep coming back to this sort of word of experience, but to me, if you think about what, what it is, why, why you love rugby, why you're involved, right? I, I said this at a, a, a conference a few weeks ago that to me, it just sort of comes down to better people and better experiences. We kind of expect more out of each other as rugby players. We expect the rugby experience to be that much better, that much better than it is in other sports and just something special about it that we can all probably define. And we've got to work out what that is. But in two simple terms, it's, it's, it's a better experience. Yeah. Now, if we can treat every single stakeholder better, then they get treated in other, in other areas and differentiate that based on some of the key pieces we have of rugby and provide them an experience with our coaches and with our players or with our kids. Um, that's something that they can't get in other sports. That's how we position rugby differently, right? And here's one thing I want to point out. You bring up the term stakeholder, right? I want to, I want to lobby for the membership and the fan out there that we are, the, lo- the membership and the fans, we are stakeholders. 100%. Right? So we've 100%. kind of been ignored or you know the second citizens and i think that's that's backwards yeah now i can you know i'm not going to share the document because i literally received it today internally but um but there's a document circling um around the leadership of usa rugby right now um that that helps provide us with some sort of operating guidelines just for the next 12 to um 12 to 15 months while we're rebuilding while we're getting the current reality foundation put in place um while we're going to engage people in the strategic planning process that needs to go much longer term right probably through to uh 2028 olympics or whatever year you think we may end up wanting to host a world cup whether that's 27 or 31 so you've got to start taking that long-term view and and working back strategically but in the meantime you need it sort of an operating plan that you know is going to be at least aligned to some of that long-term potential. Um, and one of the key, key pieces in there is, is, is the membership. And I've talked about stakeholder experiences. That talks about membership experiences. Um, members, obviously, are stakeholders. Players are stakeholders. Coaches are stakeholders. And players all the way up to national team, right? Corporate partners are stakeholders. Vendors are stakeholders. Donors are stakeholders. Everybody's a stakeholder. And that's the business of Nonprofit 101. Well, you're a stakeholder as a as a member of the, the MLR and R- Rugby United New York. How soon before we see a play Rugby USA kid playing for the MLR? Four and a half years. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, just to be able to no, but to be able to say that, yeah. 
you know, to have a landscape now where a guy like you can come in, you have a potential, there's, there's youth rugby being played, there's inner city rugby being played uh, and changing lives. You've got the MLR, you've got the, the, the APCs, which are going on now. You know, all this different stuff we didn't have. Yeah. We didn't have, and you're, you're getting to see this firsthand. I think there's already kids that coming through the play rugby that's already exposed to the sevens tournaments. Sure. Uh, uh, so it's definitely working, and it, it's just that ground uh, floor work that we need to do first and get that in place. And again, um, like on the stakeholders, I just wanted to say something on that, is, is that experience that, that we as rugby players, rugby coaches, uh, and the, the fans, the parents, everyone, that vibe that we need to put out there to grow the game. Right. We need to keep that as positive as uh, possible, as, uh, yeah, the most positive way as possible. Yep. So, and that will also pull the uh, advertisers in, the sponsors. Now, true. And and four and a half years realistically actually is probably for kids that are graduating our sure. program now. Yeah. We've got, obviously got players off in college now. Um, we've got Shifty down in uh, in Buenos Aires right now with the Youth Olympics, which is awesome. incredible. Um, but we've got you know uh, Hercules and, and other players at college now that are legitimate yeah. uh, legitimate players that if they come back to New York so some of them in Lake Placid wherever yeah, they yeah, end up yeah, they, yeah. they might end up in um, they might end up in, a, in, in either at Rooney or one of the MLR teams for sure alright when Congressman Steve Lewis slams his fist on the table with a harumph and says I want to see a plan when's the plan coming out when is the plan coming out he's going to be part of it so um, there was a working group formed um, at the last Congress meeting um, which is looking at all of the governance aspects um, from obviously board to Congress, defining very clearly the roles that we want there and what, what they're there to represent so that Congress is there to represent membership. But the whole structure of memberships changed over the last 10 years or 12 years since um, the Congress and board was last formally restructured, right? So um, working from board to Congress to specifically defining the types of people and the types of roles you need there to represent the organization, um, on behalf of all the stakeholders and to represent the Congress on behalf of the members um, and taking that all the way down into the next steps, which is then what's the strategy and so on and so forth. There'll be other people involved in the strategy as well. Um, but that working group is is going to be the glue between all the current governance pieces. Um, and so um, Steve will be able to answer that question as well as I would be able Time to. Frame? Time frame? For a strategic plan? Yeah. I think that um, the our goal was to do that by mid of next year. So by summer of next year, there would be a strategic plan in place. And anyone that's been involved with strategic plans knows um, if you're looking to do it very transparently, transparently as we are, obviously, and to get as much feedback from people as we can, that takes time. Yeah. Um, and we're not looking to reinvent the wheel either. There was a lot of work done in 2020, some really good, sorry, in the 2020 plan. And there's other strategic plans from very well-established national governing bodies around the world and from other sports um, that we're looking at. Sure. So we're not reinventing the wheel here, but we do want to make sure that everybody's had input to that plan and to that process. And in the meantime, we're working on quick wins and making sure we're stepping forward in the right direction. So who's your successor going to be? I can't say who the successor is, but I can say that uh, we had 46 applications. Um, we had a search committee involving uh, three different board members and um, myself and then ultimately my senior staff that were involved as well. Um, interviewed 12 people uh, via phone interviews, down to three, down to two. Um, and we, will, uh, we just received unanimous board approval uh, from all of the board members of Play Rugby to um, hire 
someone to replace me. And I'm very, very excited um, about who that person is um, and about what they're going to be able to achieve uh, with the senior team that we've developed over the last couple of years at Play Rugby to really take things, um, take things forward in a great, exciting direction for the organization. I know you can't give us the name right now, but will you come back with that person on the show? I'd love to do that. Excellent. On that note, Mr. Mark Griffin, Mr. Kia Slensing, I'm Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up at the Fantasy Sports Network Studio 34 in New York City, signing off.